Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. A little bit of a challenge tonight, I gave one two weeks ago on Wednesday to the young people as they're going back to school and like to kind of go along the same line tonight for just a couple of moments if you'd allow me to do so and uh, parents of course be praying for our children all across the state and uh, across our community as they uh, return to school this year. It's been so difficult. Education has over the last two years. It's been a greater challenge, and, and I've been in education since the early 70s. And, um, and I, I think it's probably been the most challenging years for everyone, everyone and, um, and students and staff and administration. It's been difficult times. And so I'm thankful that uh, things are getting back to more of a normal situation. I know here we don't have any protocols that we're going by uh, previously. We have to keep little signs up by the doors for the insurance company. But other than that, we don't have any, anything along that line. And I hope that you're praying that it'll be that way through the course of the year for our, uh, our county school systems, our city school systems, our private schools, the Christian schools, uh, throughout our community. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to get all those kinds of things done. But I, won't, I don't want to address that. I, I just want to address for a few moments to the young people in particular, and it won't hurt the rest of us to hear this. We might be able to pass it on at some point in time. Not anything new here tonight, but in verse number 14 of Psalms 139, you should be there by now. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. That my soul knoweth right well. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every child needs to understand that. Every child needs to know that they are who God made them. And I realize that we can live outside of the boundaries of what he wants us to be, but he made us who we are. And he made us all individuals. I think I mentioned some time back that not every person has the same fingerprint. Not every person has the same facial features. Uh, not every person is the same height, the same weight. There may be some, you know, uh, along the way, you know, may find somebody that's your same size. Not everybody has the same IQ. Uh, not everybody has the same abilities. Some people are, have disabilities. Sometimes they're not always visible. Not every disabled child is in a wheelchair. They're not all walking on crutches. They're not all uh, with mental, or mental disabilities. God made us all as we are. And uh, we should be understanding that uh, that. He did that. It's a wonderful thing, a fearful thing, that God has made us. 
who we are. And he doesn't want us to be anybody else, all of you young people. Uh, there'll be a lot of peer pressure that pushes you and challenges you and twists you and turns you, no matter where you attend uh, school. That's, uh, that's part of life. You learn it early, but it goes with you throughout your lifetime. And so it is, a, it is important that we understand, and here's the title of the message tonight, What's Wrong with Being Who and What God Made You? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? We don't all have the same color of hair. I mean, there are a dozen different colors, and then you can buy them in a bottle, you know, if, you, if, you know, if you're not. You might not be able to change your stature. I guess you could do what Barney did and hang over the, the bedroom door with a harness around his neck and, and, uh, and stretch a little bit so he'd qualify for the uh, police force. I was on Andy Griffith. Uh, I, you have to explain everything anymore. And uh, so it's, um, uh, we, you know, we, we can add, add here and take away from there. Uh, but the reality of it is, what's wrong with who you are and what you are that God has made you in his own image? And uh, with that being said, uh, this is being mildly put. A little statement, an alarming effort to change people from what God made them. It's ongoing. And again, that's mildly put, that, you know, there's an effort that's being put forth that will try to get you to change from what you are and who you are under God's creation. Uh, men are acting like women. Sure they are. You see it more and more everywhere you go. I mean, it's just a, it's a trend. No, it's a trend. No, it's not a trend. It's, a, it's, a, it's an abomination is what it is. And uh, that men are trying to look and act like women. That's wrong. It's, it's, it's wrong by nature. It's wrong by this book that I have before me tonight. What's wrong with being who and what you are? If God made you a boy, be mindful of this. A boy is the only thing that God chooses to make a man. Not anything else will become a man. And so you're privileged if you're a young boy and God created you in the male gender, in the male category. There's just two. There's male and female. And he uh, appropriated the right number of chromosomes and so on and so forth so that you would be a boy. Now, you're not going to hear this everywhere. And hopefully, you'll, uh, you'll, not be, you'll not be coerced into thinking you're anything else other than... And so, men are acting like women. And this matter of cross-dress and unisex things, is, it's been going on for, for decades of time, but it's never been as prevalent as it is today. I mean, everywhere you go, it's right in your face. Right in your face. Uh, women are acting like men. You see more and more women who are, we're not praying yet. We'll pray in a little while. I, I don't mean to be offensive. I, it's not my purpose to be offensive. I, I, I love everybody. I, I love everybody. I, I love souls. I love sinners. And I believe that anybody can be saved unless they 
unless they've crossed God's deadline, they can be saved. And uh, they become reprobate and void of judgment, and it's a matter they don't, they'll never even think about wanting to be saved. But we need to love everybody. We love the sinner. And, uh, you know, we, it's easy to categorize and, you know, and start them, uh, you know, from 1 to 10 and, and uh, black, uh, gray, and then white, you know, and, and minimize and maximize. And, and it's easy for us to do that. But interestingly, in the Word of God, he puts in the same paragraph disobedient children with murderers. Same paragraph. And so we need to understand that that this matter of men being like women and women being like men, and you're not going to hear it everywhere, but you'll hear it periodically here in other good churches. We shouldn't be afraid to preach what this Bible has to say. We shouldn't be shy about what God's Word has to say in these matters that He calls abominable. And, um, and you need to look up the, uh, uh, the Word. And then... Um, and these are mild. Children are trying to act like adults. It's amazing to me now that, you know, little girls can't be little girls. Little boys can't be little boys. They got to be young men before they barely get out of their diapers. And the young, the young girls have to, you know, they want to they wanna dress up. And, you know, I, I'm talking about dress up like the ladies and so on and so forth. And so there's a real challenge. It's an alarming effort to change people. And children are acting like adults. And here's a sad one. Adults are acting like children. That's the one that really gets to you. Acting like children. Lost people are acting like saved people. That's not anything new. I've known a whole lot of people. We've had a lot of, a lot of people in this very church uh, that they were acting like they were a saved person, but then one day they got genuinely born again, and uh, then here's the opposite of that. In contrast to that, saved folk are acting like lost people. Now, that's what the devil wants us to do. But the fig pen had it right this morning. There is something that is real about lifestyle evangelism. You may never preach one time out of this book. You may, may never teach a Sunday school class. You may never pray out loud in church. But we are epistles read of all men. And our lives are being looked at by our neighbors. And so there's something about this matter of living like a child of God to draw people to Christ. It's worth it. It's worth it. And, uh, and so there's kind of where we are. Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. End of argument. End of argument. Now, and, and so there's this movement on about, you know, that, and, and it starts very early. And um, if and I'm not going to go into great details about this, but there's a movement that's going on now, and, and the legislation is being passed in, in state after state after state having to do with this matter of, tr of transgender uh, lifestyles and trans, uh, becoming you know, transgender, and, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's an alarming thing. I don't want anybody talking to my children about that kind of stuff. I might blow up. <laughs> I might blow up. Just don't. Uh, this day and hour, 
People are being paid to talk to your children about things that your, a family member or your neighbor would go to prison for if they started talking to your five-year-old child about those kind of things. About that you... And, and it's everywhere. It's, it's on cartoons and it's, on, it's in movies and, and it's in songs, I guess. And, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. But what's wrong with being who God made you and what God wants you to be? You're going to be happier being what God wants you to be than you could be as a thousand different characters in life. I don't, I don't know who you want to be. I, I don't know who you aspire to be. But if you'll just be who God made you, He made you like He wanted you. And so what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? What was that movie? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? The Happiest Millionaire. If you've never watched it, you need to watch it. What's wrong with that? And so let's go through these three things very quickly. Number, or two things actually tonight. Number one, a time of childhood. Look with me, um, well, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse number 11, there's a time of childhood. And, and there's, such a, there's such a push to, for our children to grow up before their time. And uh, you know what God wants a little child to be? Nothing but a little child. And uh, we want to make them grow up fast, and then we look back and we say, Phew, man, I wish I hadn't sped that thing up. And, um, and so it's a matter of childhood. It starts there. It's the beginning of it. This is what God makes. He makes little babies, and uh, then little babies become little children. And so that's where we want to start at tonight. He said in verse number 11, 1 Corinthians 13, i got to hurry. When I was a child, look at this. He said, I talk like a little child. I love the way babies talk. I, we've, we've got a, our little great-granddaughter Avery, we were able to be up there with her uh, recently. And if you, any of you remember Lauren when she was a little baby, Avery is just, is just Lauren uh, times two. And she's got her own little language. And, but you know what she's talking about, but you know, some of her, her, her phonics haven't come around yet, and some of her letters, you know, aren't exactly right. And, and uh, but... And, and you, want to, you don't want them to talk like that when they get older, okay? And, uh, and, and we've got all of this language that, that's come up through our children when they were small, and uh, then our grandchildren when they were small, when they were children, and now our great-grandchildren while they're children, and the Ward family and the extended Ward family, we've got our own language for certain things. Uh, Lauren taught, called babies, uh, little babies, she called them doula babas. Dula Babas. And Avery's following right in her footsteps. And, uh, and we, we have all kind of things. Uh, uh, chicken is icky and uh, milk is knock. And I mean, the list just, and, and it just kind of, and we still pancakes or pay pans. And, and, uh, and you know why? Because Paul said, when I, was a, when I was a child, I talked like a child. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Here's a big one, Mom and Dad. I understood as a child. Pause. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because they don't have all the understanding that you have. 
Why do you act like that? I sense that it's because they're a child and they're thinking like a child. I could give you some examples of that, but I want to hasten tonight. Three things about the children that he gives us. He said, when I was a child, I spake like a child. I thought as a child. They understand things from their own little perspective. Their world is not as big as your world. Their vocabulary is not as large as your vocabulary. They don't have the reasoning factors. They, they don't have all the, the sensors and everything that you have to help you. They don't know what hot is when they're little. And so unfortunately, they put their finger on it. And then from that time on, they know what hot is. But you already know that. And so little children, they think like a child. Uh, when I was a child, I spake like a child. I understood like a child. And I thought like a child. This is the apostle, the great apostle Paul. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine me? Look at me. Look at, and uh, can you imagine me? Pastor Ward, almost 72 years old, 40-something, 40 46 years in the ministry, been saved 50 years, and all these kind of things. Can you think of me when I was just a little boy? A few of you I knew when I was a young boy, but uh, I don't think anybody knew me when I was, I'm, like, I'm talking like four or five years old. What, the only picture that I, can, that I have that there is of me when I was a little boy, I was maybe two or three years old, and the only picture, and you've never seen it because I'm in a, I'm in a, like a, a dress thing, like a, like a gown. I'm in a, in, a, in a gown. Wouldn't that be pretty up here tonight? <laughs> Little boy walking around and like I got on a, a dress. No wonder I have such a complex. <laughs> and so there's this matter of childhood. Let's hasten. I want to get to the young people. Uh, when I was a child, I spake as a child. And then there came a time, but when I became, listen, dads and, and fathers, uh, parents, uh, men, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away. Now, you don't have to, you don't have to, nobody likes to, likes to play any more than I did with my grandchildren. I, I, I could act like them. I mean, even when I was in 40 years old and 50 years old, uh, you know, I could, I loved to play little stupid, silly games, and I loved it that my grandchildren, they wanted to be at Nana and Papa's more than they wanted to be at home. I remember one time, Spencer, when he was just a little boy, that I was walking down from the pastorum, I was living there, and Tracy was making a circle through the little drive through over there up under the carport, and she was getting ready to go to town. I think she's going to Cato's or somewhere like that. And he was in the back seat. And she's going about 15 miles per hour. And he said, I'm going to Papa. And he opened the door and rolled out across the ground because he wanted to go be with And Brandon and Ivy and Lauren. We don't get that. We don't, you know, we're not first in line when it comes to the great-grandchildren. But we, we know our place with that. And we, we enjoy them so much. And so, it's okay, Daddy, to get down and, and get down in the, in the flower bed with a, with, a, with a dump truck or with an excavator and just have a good time with the children. I remember when I was, right after I got saved, 
I don't know how in the world it came to pass. We were in that building, and after church, every, every Sunday night, like tonight, wouldn't want to do it tonight, ground wet, but we'd go out and just play in the front yard, and I'm a grown man, and I'm out there doing cartwheels and, and playing with the kids and just having the biggest time. That's before I became a pastor. I don't think I've done a cartwheel since I became a pastor. When I was a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. You've got to be careful with that. But here's where I want to get to very quickly. Let's get to our young people. This will only take a moment, and uh, we'll be finished for the evening. There's a, t a time of childhood, and then there's a time of youth. Turn with me in the, um, in the book of 1 John, over just before the book of Revelation, chapter number 2, and let's just read 11 through 14. 1 John, chapter number uh, 1, and... Uh, uh, chapter number 2, rather. I'm sorry. Chapter number 2, verse number 11. Let's just start in verse number 12. Give you just a moment. I write unto you, and he identifies the three different times of life. He said, I write unto you little children. Now, I realize he's speaking in spiritual terms, but he's identifying the three different times of life. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write unto you Fathers, underlined fathers, little children in verse number uh, 12. I write, un, uh, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, again, he says, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. And so he talks about these three transitions in life. And the baby is born, and the baby becomes a child. And then that child uh, becomes a young man, and then that young man becomes a grown-up. He mentions father here, but he becomes a, an adult, an adult. Time of ch to be a child, adolescence, and then adulthood. And in, in that, uh, he's trying to teach us a lesson that each of these three times in our life, there are certain things that we should be. What's wrong with being what God wants us to be? I think, I think that it's perfectly natural for a little boy to born up play with trucks and, and, uh, and soldiers and, and uh, little girls want to play with baby dolls and tea sets. And sometimes, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's, uh, you're, you're going to find times that, uh, that, that they, those may cross each other, but don't, don't suspect that there's anything wrong. Don't send your kid to a psychiatrist or anything, you know. If you're, you know, if you're a little boy, uh, well... Let's just leave all that alone. <laughs> but here's what happens in a time of youth. Now, this is for the, this is for the men and this is for the women. There's three. There's, and, the, and the Bible uh, makes it very clear that, that it's the same way in the life of a young lady and uh, a young man. Uh, when a young man and parents have difficulty with this, when a young man gets about 14 to 15 years old, I never, I didn't raise any boy. Well, I, I raised my two sons, Andy and Stephen, and <clears throat> I'm still working on it. I'm still, still making an attempt at it. <clears throat> now, I've had to whoop them a few times along the way, but uh, the uh, 
<laughs> Where was I going with that? <laughs> we, we, we must understand. We've got to understand that, that, that God is taking that young man and he's, he's when, a, when, a, when a boy gets about 15 years old, mama, God is preparing him to be a leader. And that young man has to be able to make decisions. But I'm afraid he'll make the wrong one. He will. He absolutely will make wrong decisions. And you've got to corral all of that. You just can't let it. But you've got to understand, Mama, that when he gets about 15 or 16 or 17 years old, God is grooming him to be a man, a leader in the community, a leader in the home. And if you always baby him and, and, and always coddle him and, and make everything easy for him and, and every time the teacher tries to correct him, you run down to school and you stomp in there steaming and screaming. And I can't imagine my mama doing that. I went to school 12 years. 12, not one time did my mama ever have to go down to the school. Not one time did my daddy ever have to go down. What well, it's a great school. I went to Clyteville and Lowndes Middle School and Lowndes High School. Not one time in all of that. Not one time did I go home and say, they, they, they make me do all that work down there. And, and you, then you just hug up to them and you say, well, oh, you, uh, I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll take care of this. No, you're making a huge mistake. Huge mistake. You better get both sides of the story. Did you ever notice, and Brother Harrelson mentioned that orientation the other night, and I've noticed this, being in education all of these years, that sometimes children will distort, not yours. They, I'm, I'm talking to the people who watch on the live stream. None of our children would distort. They would take a story and bend it and twist it and turn it to their favor. They learned that really early, by the way, really early. Here's what happens in youth. Uh, in, uh, in our text, in verse number 13, here's what young people should do. We should overcome the wicked one. Well, that's when he's working in your life. That's when, that's when he's putting out all of his efforts and and he's doing everything because if he can that's why uh, drugs and and pornography and all of these thousands of things that the devil is bombarding young people with this day and hour and younger and younger and younger and younger and uh, uh and sex and all of these things that are going on in the lives i'm talking about i'm not talking about 18 years old i'm talking about 13 years old Number one, you should overcome the wicked one. You gotta, you've got to learn to say no before you become an adult. You learn that when you're in your youth, to say no. You better know, young lady, you better know what it is to say no. You'll get old enough to, they don't call it dating anymore, and, and there's, you're not boyfriends and girlfriends. This thing came along a couple of years ago, and I had to be educated about it. They called it going out. 
Now, to me, going out is leaving where you are and going out. And, but, but going out is like, like, uh, like being, um, you know, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend and, and uh, all of those kind of things. That's what going out. The language has changed, but the, it's still the same thing. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll maybe give a little trinket of some kind. I remember when I was in school, the, the big thing, you, you took one of your football cleats and you drilled a hole through it and you put it on a chain and you gave it to your girlfriend she wore it around her neck. Some of you would say, ah. Some of you girls say, ah. How in the world could you stand anything like that? Or make a ring take a quarter and bore a hole through the middle of it and then walk around for three weeks with a tablespoon and you're pounding on the edge of that and you make a beautiful ring look just like the one I have on my finger. And you give it to the girl and you young ladies, when you get to that age, you need to, is, is it not true that every date is a possible mate, is potentially a mate? And you better learn how to say no. You better, you better overcome the wicked one because you're going to be challenged. You're going to be... Uh, it's, you're going to have to learn how to say no. I've told the girls around here years ago, and I said, if, if you're out on a date and uh, this fella, he takes you out to some parking area, and uh, number one, you don't do that. But anyway, if it were to happen, this is what you do if it were to happen, okay? It's what I told my girls. And, uh, and so, and they take you out this dark area, and he cuts the car off, and he reaches up under the seat, and he gets a bottle of beer, and he says, hey, you want to you wanna, you wanna swap, you want to take some of this? You say, I think I will. I think I will. And then you take that bottle, and you grab it by the neck, and you bust it over the dash of the car and stick it right here in a jugular vein and said, if you don't take me home, I'm going to slit your throat. That's how you deal with it. It's very simple. If you don't, if you don't get me to where I can call my daddy, I'm going to do something just as bad. I'm going to call my preacher. You've got to overcome the wicked one. Here's another one. You should be strong in the Word of God. That's right here in the text. As a young person, be strong in the Word of God. Take what you've learned in vacation Bible school. Take what you've learned in devotion. Take what you've learned in the summer programs. Take what you've learned in Sunday school. And be strong in the Lord. He gives a, a list, and I've got one minute, about the young men. It's found in 1 Peter chapter number 5. Let's just put them up on the screen. You don't even have to turn there. You can go dig them out a little bit later. He tells the young men eight things to do. Then in Titus chapter 2, he tells the young ladies eight things that they should do. And you can, uh, you, we'll give you the list of it. If you want to write it down, it'll be fine. In 1 Peter 5 and 5 through 11, it said to the young men, he said, I write unto the young, I write unto the younger. He said, number one, submit yourselves. Number two, be subject one to another. You, you, you need accountability. You really do. You need somebody that's on your side. 
And it's not always easy to find that, but you need to find somebody that you can be subject to, somebody that will help you, and somebody that will give you good advice and not lead you down the wrong path. Granny said the Pimrose path on the Beverly Hillbillies. You, to be clothed with humility, boy, you really have to worry about that. I know ever, all, the, all the ball players here they all have, they all aspire to be in the NBA one day and all those kind of things. But just be humble about it, okay? And if you make it, be sure to send your tithe back to the 3229 Madison Highway in Valdosta. Clothed with humility, humble yourself, casting all your cares. Be sober. That is to be a clear thinker. Drunk people don't think clearly. Be vigilant. That is to be awake and watching. Young men, resist steadfast. Uh, that means to, to resist the devil, and that's what he's talking about. Quickly and strongly and consistently. Young ladies, Titus 2 and 1 through 5. <laughs> said be sober. <laughs> that might be a challenge to some. It means to be in control. It means to have clear head and not under any influence, any bad influence. You have to be real careful. It said to the young ladies, you don't learn this once you walk down the aisle and, he, and they put the ring on your finger and you repeat the vows and the preacher has a prayer of dedication and you go off on a honeymoon. You don't learn this then. You learn it while you're a young lady and it's the responsibility of the Adult ladies, the, the elderly ladies, to teach the young ladies to love your husband. Love your husband. Number three, love your children. I, I, why would you even have to tell a mother to love her children? Because of this day and hour that we're living in with this unnatural affection. That's why people can kill little babies in the womb it's because they're without natural affection. That's not natural. Even the animal, even the four-legged animal kingdom, they don't do anything like that. But they have so done this thing again and again and again till it's become very regular. You ought to love your children. Be discreet. Discreet. That means to be rational and not showy. Not showy. Boy, I could say so much in this. We, we may, I may drive up a stop and we may come back here a little later, okay? Very rational and not showy. I think it, I think it has everything to do with modest dress. I, I think that it has everything to do, this matter of being discreet with how you carry yourself and what your intentions are. Remember the little saying, if it's not for sale or for use, don't display it? You say, if you've watched any commercials on TV lately, that's not going to, that's not going to, you're not going to pass out over that. Discreet, chaste, it means to be pure. Pure. Keepers at home, isn't that interesting? 
the literal definition of that is to be a homekeeper, a housekeeper. To make sure that your home, your house, is well kept. From stem to stern. And I realize that's not just mama's responsibility. Mama, somebody said, how in the world do you keep, keep a house clean with four kids in it? My mama figured it out in a hurry. And she did graduate from high school. Daddy didn't, but she graduated. But she figured out this thing that if I've got four children, then I can divide that up. She's real good at math. And she said, and she figured out that this one can do 25% of the work, and this one can do 25% of the work, and this one can, and so can this one. When I was 12 years old, I had dishpan hands. Every other night, I had to help wash the dishes from supper. When you woke up in the morning, before you came to breakfast, you cleaned your room. How do you make them do that? Mama figured it out. Surely you can. Oh, you're getting quiet on me now. Keeping the house. Keeping the house. Good. <laughs> That's what it says. Be good. Just be good. Be a good person. Be a good person. Here's a challenge. Obedient to your husband. God has a chain of command. I didn't, I didn't make it up. I didn't. And, uh, but there is this responsibility that's given to us. Go to Ephesians chapter number 5. Read the chapter. Submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. And you, you learn that when you're just a little girl. When you're just a little girl. In your youth. I don't have time to go to the next stage of this, adulthood. But may you young people make sure that you're what God made you. Be what God made you. And you'll be glad you did. Let's all stand for prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for instruction that we have that is so clear in the scripture. How could anybody stumble past these very simple truths? Lord, I pray for our young people as they go off to school. Some already have. Others tomorrow. Some later in the week, I'm sure. Some homeschool. Some are in college. Some in kindergarten and primary and elementary and middle school and high school. Lord, I pray that you'd give them strength and give them help. May we all pray. Lord, it's a wicked world out there. And I pray that you might protect them and help them. That you might guard them. We know that the devil will make sure that the world influence, the humanistic secular influence tries to remake them and form them. Lord, I pray that you would help them to be strong in the Lord.
And we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. While these are praying...